All right. Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. Hey, Brian. Just going to pause. Take two. We return today to sake, those crisp, clear beverages. Or are we going to muddy the waters? Well, cloudy them anyway. Well, makes them cloudy. Uh, it doesn't change the flavor. Who knows? But we're talking about Nagori's today, and we'll get into that and more as we have a drink on this episode. Saki 2, Nagori Boogaloo. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price. Oh, and I'm Justin Levon. <laughs> Joining us once again from Void Sake. In, uh, I don't remember if we've been said it before, but from Lexington, Kentucky. Important they're, note. <laughs> they're sake correspondent. Uh, how's everybody doing? Are good. good. <laughs> I'm gonna say like filled with energy, vim and vigor. It seems. Woo! It's been a, a what a, a month since we've uh, convened. Oh yeah, the fourth. Yeah, because we took a break for the fourth. Couldn't get the yeah yeah that's right. I I, I was like oh it ha- oh yeah yeah it has. Oh god. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess a lot's been going on. Uh, in in the world, I guess. But uh, Chris, Brittany, you know, what's what's been going on in in Casa de Walker? Uh, bribing our child with Pokemon to stay in his bed all night. Yeah, it's like, hey, if you stay in, if you stay in your bed all night tonight, you can have a Bulbasaur. And guess what? <laughs> tonight it's um, oh, a uh, Lego mis- Mario Mister Mystery Pack. Yeah. What's in it, Dad? It's like we'll find out in the morning if you stay in your bed. <laughs> He's been having some uh, some, I guess, nightmares or something. So like, it's it's been a rough week or so. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we've all thanks to Emmett, we've um, well, Emmett not as much as nothing trumps Mario. Nothing ever will. I don't know. But thanks to him, this household is now obsessed with Pokemon. We've all got to catch them all. We're on Pokemon Go like too in, often now. In an attempt to connect with our child, because again, I was like, "Man, I've not played since the original three. I was like, I, I only know one fifty one. There's almost a thousand now, and I was like, I've got to learn these things. I'll get on in like thirty minutes into playing it, and I was like, Ah, crap! I'm hooked again. At some point, I need to get to this, which is the newest one. 
Oh, but uh, yep. Some people, uh, customers, uh, regulars of the Void, like I guess they were playing Pokemon Go, and they were like, "Well, we've requested that the Void become a po- the Pokestop." <laughs> I was it's like, that, oh. "It's got that big wall there." I mean, it should. I know. <laughs> That's true. I was I mean, like, yeah, can, this is cool. "Yeah." But yeah, uh, so uh, Emmett's on his his journey to be the very best. Yes. He's he's so about like he loves Pikachu, he loves Charmander. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, the, the, the initial one, you know. He's wearing Pikachu he, underwear. Just Squirtle, all right? Oh, he loves Squirtle. Squirtle? Okay. Yeah. Squirtle is the coolest of the Pokémon. Dude, Squirtle <laughs> Squad. Yeah, you don't That's know the yeah. sunglasses. No, we I, just right? They just had a community day and I didn't realize that like cuz I haven't played since like the first month that the game went live. But they do a community day, and they're like, "You can go in, all, like you can get all kinds of exclusive crap, and it's only available that day." Well, they had Squirtle Squad Squirtles, so <laughs> so now I've got a Blastoise that's wearing the Squirtle Squad sunglasses, yeah, looking like he's in the Secret I Service th- or something. Yeah, he's- I think at that point they're they're not the Squirtle Squad. They probably go into like the uh, War Turtle Quartet, and then the uh, the Blastoise Brigade. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that that and uh, the the ones for well that was that the same event? I don't remember anymore. But like they had um, like my Pikachu has um a cake hat, and then um I've got a, a Squirtle and something else that has a, a a birthday party hat. And now I'm stoked because the one coming up at the end of the month, you can get a Snorlax wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> I, uh... and he's just like this is all I need. <laughs> The uh, the collecting aspect was always like secondary for me for Pokemon. It's probably the reason I didn't stay in Pokemon Go as much because I enjoy uh, training uh, a team of killers to uh, <laughs> to take on other people's Pokemon, and that's kind of a thing. But I never really liked the combat in Pokemon Go. Yeah, yeah. Haven't you, you all you said before that you are the Michael Vick of Pokemon? Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> I I train them to kill. There's uh, there's no fear in my dojo. He definitely relates more to Team Rocket. I was gonna say yeah. you, you would get you would do well with the Team Rocket raids. Uh I will say this. When I was uh when I was a kid playing red and blue, I uh I picked Charmander and refused to level the other Pokemon through the gyms because I always wanted to have him be the one to fight the big guy at the end, which means I had to have a fire type beat both rock and water. I was practically Charizard by the time I was in the second gym, just going, Mm-mm, no, I've ground, I've ground this Pokemon. <laughs> just looking at it like playing the whole time. Pressure makes pearls, buddy. You got this. Sorry. Cat attacks are, uh, are currently outbreaking in the, Producers cl- trim his claws again. Out. So yeah, that's uh that's what's been <laughs> happening around here. No, All right. Uh Justin, what's what's new in your life? Let's see. I've had to rebuild a uh canning line seamer. Ooh. Ooh. That was <laughs> that was fun. Uh and it was <laughs> It is a unit that is probably 10 years old. And I, when we first got it, this was 
Well, no, I think it's older than 10 years old because we got it. It was the that brewery's original canning line, and they've been open for over 10 years now. But anyway, um, I had made the joke when they bought it, um, instead of buying like a newer, smaller, like micro canner or whatever, <laughs> I was like, man, I was like, they've probably, the, I knew the guy who like manned it and I was like, they replaced and took care of it. But I was like, man, like all that shit's probably like a year old at this point and they've been running like millions of cans on it and it's just like it's just one bad day or a series of bad days from total cascade of failures <laughs> and then fast forward two years later that happened <laughs> oh. i'm sorry no but at least, that, at least, at least you got it fixed yeah after <laughs> after many many a swear words and <laughs> Uh, rethinking my life decisions <laughs> <laughs> as to like, I'd be, I'd, I'd get it and be like, all right, Brandon, we got it. It's fixed. It's good to go. And then we start the canning line and I just go, motherfucker, this is a new problem. <laughs> They're so finicky. <laughs> this problem didn't exist. And like, why is it doing it now? <laughs> yeah. What did I break then, fixing something else? And then I, I was talking to the dude, uh, who he doesn't work for the brewery anymore, but he's, he's a friend and he was helping. He was like, yeah, he's like those pneumatic lines. It's like, there, there's a thousand different things that can fuck up on them. And they all tend to happen when you're trying to fix one thing. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) And then one time I was like, how do I take this off? Like it won't move. And he's like, did you take the second, second retaining screw out of it? And I go, there's a second one. Goes, yeah. And I was like, I just went fucking uh, manufacturer. And he goes, yep. And I was like, I, I sent him a screenshot. And I was like, the manual says, remove the retaining screw, not screws, but screw. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, you can't see it when you're looking right at it. He's like, you got to like get under the, like underneath or do something. And I was just like, yeah. Neither could the person that wrote the manual. <laughs> <laughs> he just says the second retaining screw, and I go, the what? <laughs> so you just turn around and flip a table somewhere nearby. It'll make you feel better. Oh, I did that. I just <laughs> I, I was like, hold on a sec, I need to put the phone down. And I just went, fuck. <laughs> <sighs> But no, so that got fixed, and then uh, next weekend, this is probably too uh, too late for your viewers. But the um, uh, the weekend of well, I guess it's yeah, it's the the twenty the twenty second or whatever of July. This is the third time they've done it, but it's the third annual or the third annual American Saki Fest, mm-hmm. and it's going to be in Charlottesville, Virginia this year. So oh wow, that'd be it's fun. Be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Anything special about Charlottesville and sake? Uh, Well, there's North American Sake Brewery there. Ah. Um, But we had made the, so it was in Asheville, North North Carolina for the first two years. Like the first one happened and it was like maybe two or three and then COVID happened. And then they made a big one last year. Uh, 
And then there's, I guess they're doing it to where it moves around to the different breweries in the association. Nice. So maybe when we move to our our, uh, new tap room, maybe we'll have room to host it. So that's, oh yeah, that's also some, some big news. Oh yeah. You guys have a whole new. Where's the tap room? We haven't officially announced it yet, but. Uh. Did now your, your, your Patreons get the scoop? <laughs> yeah, there you go. All two of them. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, Casey, what's going on in in the well, price I just world? Flew, I just flew in, and boy, are my arms tired. I was gonna say, there's one of us had to make that joke. That's true. No, I was on a red eye overnight, so I'm a little sluggish. I went to bed at nine this morning and woke up about five. <laughs> Rolled over and was like, Giovanni sounds delicious. Oh, yeah. Whoa, yeah. Giovanni's <laughs> for breakfast. <laughs> it, it'd only be better if they could give it to you cold. <laughs> yeah. Just please. Put your Don't order in it. the night before. Be like, make this, put it in the refrigerator, and then deliver it to me the next day. <laughs> a bit later. Uh, we spent uh, the past week in Southern California. Had a few um, different cool little places we went to. And, um, you know... Everything was way more expensive than what I would have expected out of life. Uh, that was the, the unfun part of it. Um, gasoline, of course, the prices that it is in California being about 70% more than here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, food and, and beverage was always more expensive there. But I was able to get a hold of some really cool ingredients while I was out there, some stuff that was locally grown and, and some really cool sourced stuff. So nice. I found a a produce store that ha- carried a, p- a specific type of bean that I liked. I and- was just going to ask if it was beans being related from your last <laughs> yeah. episode. Yes. <laughs> um, so I found that, that produce store that carried those beans. And then from there it went on like a, uh, Willy Wonka's adventure inside of a produce store. So, <laughs> Um, it was, it's the type of produce store where chefs locally come to shop. So it wasn't outrageously oh. expensive. It was very reasonably priced. And like, as I was in there, you had to sign in and sign a waiver that if you used anything from there that killed you, you wouldn't sue them for it Oh wow! <laughs> because they had some odd ingredients that would do that to you. Blowfish. Uh, they have, you know, the Walmart or Kroger or, or other grocery store, um, chains. They have that wall of bagged lettuces. Yeah. 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 They had a wall that side of just edible flowers, like <laughs> that size of a, of a place. So, um, got some fruits and stuff that I'd never even seen or heard of before and was able to kind of play with those a little bit. So it was fun. And spent a couple days in Disneyland. I was going to say, I saw pictures from Disney and, uh, the, the highlight of those pictures for me was, uh, 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 uh your son's, uh, little, little, outfit his little like hawaiian style shirt at one of the places you were at yeah i got to go to one of the the tiki bars and he very much fit in there i looked there's like (laughs) frank that's my boy being so close to uh mexico i had i got myself a uh, mexico inspired uh tiki shirt as well so that'll be next up on the on the list i just got a legends of the hidden temple tiki shirt (laughs) Oh, uh, which which one? Has, which which? Team? Um, I got it from Roosevelt's. Where I'm getting all my shirts. No, he, which team? He said. Oh, which team? Yeah, on the shirt. Which team? Yeah. Oh, it's got it's all of them. It's got everything. The shirt pocket oh. has Olmec on it, and it just got all kinds of different. Well, we're talking about vintage 
shirts oh, or whatever. I'm wearing this Blue one. Ranger. There you go. Yes. Nice. Now, da, 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 da. That's the clue for the uh, for any audio listeners. <laughs> we had this discussion in the middle of uh, the grocery store when what was it? Because I'm we were talking Ninja Turtles and trying to explain to Emmett because we were going to try and find the old '90s cartoon for him to see before we go see the new movie. And I was like, man, it's like we had our cartoons had the greatest themes, like just all straight fire. It's true. Rescue X-Men. Rangers. Yeah. X Men. Pokemon. Pokemon, yeah. That's uh, now, now Emmett will tell me, Dad, sing it. <laughs> For watching Indigo. He's like, Dad, sing it. And I'm like, oh, you don't have to ask Dad to sing it. <laughs> I come in from another room. I want to be the very best. Casey, that was that was one of the best uh, moments of that, that night before PAX East we went to back in 2011. <sighs> yes. Just going into that bar and like it was that Pokemon pub crawl and they had the bar queued up as you walked in. You just hear, da, 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 I want to be the very best. And like there are like normals there too who all just kind of go, okay. Sure. <laughs> and like they just look and just see this crowd of nerds going, yeah. Like, That's like uh I saw um a clip and or on Reddit or something, and somebody came in with a saxophone with a traffic cone in it and just started playing. And then a cop, like like a muscly shirted cop comes up and then he pulls out a sax and they start playing like a uh jazz EDM version of Barbie World. Like just at McDonald's or whatever, <laughs> and yeah. the customers there, the normals are just like, "What? What's going on?" <laughs> I, I really also am dying to see that movie. Like I can't even handle it. I want no, the so Barbie badly movie. to go to the AMC double feature because uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie come out the same weekend. So AMC is doing Barbenheimer. It. Yeah, Barbenheimer. That's what they're officially billing it as. Like it's been tagged and everything. Mm-hmm. So I would uh, love. A ticket to go to Barbenheimer. <laughs> I am Barbie, destroyer of worlds. <laughs> I mean, I was trying to say like I am Ken, like wearer of the I, I don't know, yeah, destroyer of the. I have beach house. Whatever. I was gonna say I am I am Barbie, dweller of the beach house. <laughs> uh, my my favorite version of this stuff. I put it in the chat our group chat earlier today it was uh has the barbie dream house with big barbie legs running and it's oh uh, yeah yeah barbie yaga barbie yaga yaga barbie house (laughs) wait i didn't realize john cena is a ken in this movie everyone is is. like nothing would isn't uh what's his name that's uh chang from community isn't he in it as a ken ken jong yeah kim jong i'm not gonna be surprised also dude from the dude from the Secret Invasion show. Again, oh, I totally is. Yeah, not be surprised at anyone. There's, there's the big Ken battle on the beach. I, I can't even handle. Like, I, I <laughs> yeah. need to see this movie. I don't, I don't know why, but I'm just picturing it going down like a, a West Side Story. It's like, if you're a Ken, you're a Ken for life. <laughs> I don't only remember from the, the trailers is they it's set up like it looks like a Barbie version of Saving Private Ryan in the background, <laughs> and they're doing like the West Side Story thing in the foreground. So they are dancing and singing, but there's like a beach landing happening. And 
Because like they they did it like a chest bump at some point, and then like sparks yeah, they, and they, sparkles their bare shot out. Chests hit, and then like sparkles are shooting out. And I'm just like, God, I need to see this movie. I mean, to be fair, it was it was Ryan Gosling and Simu uh, Liu doing that, so it's like, well, it's gonna happen regardless. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair, I don't even I haven't even seen that show, but everyone keeps <laughs> referencing it, and I'm like, I, I get these references now. I've never seen a minute of Letterkenny. Uh, it, it takes yeah. an episode or takes an episode or two, and then once you kind of key in, you are like, yeah, okay. I yeah, realize no. I could get into it very easily. I oh, I, yeah. I went through the whole first season of Parks and Rec. You don't. <laughs> Hmm. I suffered. We don't talk about that season. I suffered to enjoy that show. Uh, all right. I believe... Uh, what have you been up to? You, you just glossed yourself over there. That's what I try to do. Uh, <laughs> uh, nothing, really. It's There's nothing nothing to report. All quiet on the Western Front. Don't you uh, lie to us. We know you were in a commercial. You were in a commercial? <laughs> Uh, kind of. The, my bank was doing a. a they, they needed someone to pretend to be customers uh, for for a shoot, and I don't work with the public, so you know. No, no, they, they no, they they haven't put it out yet. They just shot it this this week. Uh, I'll find and it, and they they may not do anything with it. You know, so <laughs> they may not do it. Don't don't bother searching it. Don't. They may, you know, like there may be some other stuff they had because like they had to do some other, you know, they had other people doing things. So it's like entirely possible I'm not even there. I hope they sell it so like this is their big commercial. Like it's going to be on Hulu (laughs) and everyone's going to have to see it 90 times trying to watch one show. The first time I, uh, 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 they had me do like a shot. I was like exiting the, the thing and I purposely turned my head away from the camera pretending I was talking to someone behind me, uh, and then they had me like in an office and they're like, well, there's no way I can avoid the camera now. <laughs> and the reason I was there was just someone said, I need, we need bodies. Can you come in and help? And the people pleaser that I am, I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, I'll show up to work early, get my, get my morning stuff done and then drive down there. Uh, so yeah. So you're but, famous. No, no. Uh, People keep kept making that joke to me while I was up there. Like, oh, it's your big break, and I was like, I please stop. <laughs> His big break was pissing on that floor to ceiling window in Boston at that restaurant. <laughs> that was his big break. I'll be back that way in a couple weeks. I need to like try to track down that restaurant, Re- remark the territory, put a plaque down. <laughs> it was on here this date. That drunken oh, hobo. Worst drunken incidents have happened in Boston, I'm sure. Oh. <laughs> Not the first nor last time someone did that. Yeah. <laughs> but those diners are going to be talking about it for years. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, righty. Well, uh, guess we can do we uh yeah we'll just go on with the episode i was like do we want to talk about the sad story in the news or do you yeah, just want to move uh, on with our lives we could just mention real quick uh last episode we poured one out for the loss of steam beer uh this episode we got to pour one out for the loss of anchor brewing altogether. and i've yeah. got to say i'm kind of disgusted and upset with the craft community around the response online half of everyone's like Oh man, it sucks. They're gone. This is terrible. Blah blah. The other half were like, "You never drank their beer. Why are you blah blah blah?" 
you can be upset for what they stood for and what they were going away. Like, it, you, what's the gatekeeping about with this? <laughs> People like to keep gates. I mean, like... I just don't see the the reasoning behind it. Like people are like, oh yeah, that sucks. Be like, what do you mean you never drink their beer? It's like, all right, like get off your pedestal, man. Yeah, like that. <laughs> they were they were very important to uh, to the launching of like a lot of craft stuff and just you know helping. I think they did a lot of helping for like getting a lot of the California craft stuff up and going near the very beginning. Uh, I still like, uh, what was it? SF gate there, the official article they posted about it. It was a quote for the headline and it was just, this fucking sucks. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was the headline. Fair. So, yeah, Don't I, need no clickbaity title. Just, just fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just like, yeah, it does. Uh, I, I felt like an idiot. Cause when I went and got my steam beer, they had a few sixers of, anchor porter sitting there and i was like mm, i'll be back for you and now i'm like I, i'm not even going down there for it because i'm like yeah someone already swooped in and grabbed it all i know i'm not Probably. gonna wait. what do you think the uh, secondary market for some uh from some, <laughs> some of that shit's gonna be <laughs> oh god probably crazy right now and it's honestly not worth it i mean right. I'm how like, many I, people are gonna be doing some like They'll be like, hey, I got like an Anchor Steam vertical. This is the last year that it was made. Like, Casey, how much Christmas ale did you just <laughs> distill from me? Because <laughs> I ran out of... I don't know what you're talking about, this distillation. <laughs> that never happened. It, we, we, it got donated to a truck that it fell off somewhere. Um, And that truck had, I, I don't know how many bottles. Like a 12-year vertical. Or like just a crazy amount. And I had like three or four bottles for every year because it was meant to be for a show Two thing. Kids. So, yeah. <laughs> a a yeah. lot of Christmas ale. Okay. Oh, well. I'm sad. I'm getting heartburn just thinking about it. <laughs> That's speaking, yeah, that tracks. Speaking of heartburn, we have a topic. I'm trying to put some heavy limiters on myself this time so I don't get that drunk again. <laughs> uh, last Saki episode, I had to go look back up where we ended the history section uh, because we're going to pick up most, more or less where we left off. Uh, uh I don't know. I can't get that drunk that quick. <laughs> I, need, I need more sake, though. There is a point where you can hear the slur. The slurring of speech happens. <laughs> it just progressively builds. <laughs> it's a hallmark of this show. It's a sign. The sign we had a good time it, and it, a long time. It in and of itself is possibly a drinking game. <laughs> Spot when uh. it happens. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're going to start out uh, by uh, picking up in the Meiji era of Japanese history, uh, once the emperor had regained power-ish. Uh, Unlimited power! Surprising Limit. how much power you can technically uh, wield when you know, you've convinced the government to deify you. <laughs> It's it's really interesting coming back into this history after a, like our our break in sake episodes was doing Japanese whiskey, so mm -hmm. it's like hmm. 
uh, we'll end probably in a pretty close spot to where that one was picking up with some things. But uh, the technique, uh, but beginning uh, starting around the Meiji era, uh, about eight, uh, 1868 to 1912, the techniques for making uh, sake began to develop rapidly. Uh, breeding was actively carried out in uh, various parts of Japan to produce sake rice that was optimized for sake brewing. We will get into more detail on that in a little while. Uh, we'll talk a little bit here, though. But Ishi, uh, Issei Nishiki? Look, there's going to be some words today, and we're just flat out sorry. Uh, uh, Omachi was developed in 1866. Uh, Shinriki developed in 1877. Uh, these are some of the earliest representative varieties. Uh, in 1923, Yamada Nishiki, uh, later called the king of sake rice, uh, uh, was first produced. Uh, among more than 123 varieties of sake rice uh, have been developed as of uh, 2019. Uh, uh, and Yamada Nishiki ranks first in production, and Omachi in fourth. As of 2019. All right. <laughs> That's where I got the source. Uh, so the, the number could be completely out of control. It's 10,000 now. <laughs> 10,001. It got exponential in those last couple years. <laughs> the breeding couldn't be contained. Well, the... Uh, the government opened a Saki Brewing Research Institute in 1904, and in 1907, the first government-run Saki tasting competition was held. Uh, and in 1904, it was the National Brewing Laboratory, uh, is what that one was. It was developed in Yamaha. Uh, de it developed Yamaha, a new method for making starter mash. Uh, and then in 1910, there was a further improvement. Sokujo, which is a quick fermentation method. Soko Joe. thank you. Uh, yeast strains yeah. spe uh, specifically selected uh, for their brewing properties were isolated, and enamel-coated steel tank uh, and enamel-coated steel, uh, steel tanks arrived in the uh, in the process. The government started uh, ha uh, hailing the use of enamel tanks as uh, easy to clean, lasting forever, and devoid of bacteria. Uh, and the government considered the totally use of possible. Well, they said they consider the use of wooden tubs to be unhygienic because of potential bacteria living in the wood. Uh, they're not wrong. And, <laughs> no, they're not. They just don't last forever yeah, like they no. thought. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> living in the, like bacteria living in the wood is like, ah, yes, the rum barrel aged drink. Mm. <laughs> uh and while these things are true, the government also wanted more tax money from the breweries, uh, and using wooden tubs meant significant amount of sake is lost to evaporation, about 3%, uh, which could have otherwise been taxed. <laughs> Always comes down to taxes. That's what drove, like, technological advancement. We must have the taxes. Uh, this was a temporary end to the wood tub age of sake, and the use of wooden tubs and brewing was uh, temporarily eliminated. Uh, now, uh, in Japan, sake had long been taxed uh, by the national government. In 1878, the liquor tax accounted for 23, tw uh, sorry, 12.3% of the national tax revenue, excluding local taxes. And in 1888, uh, it was 26.4% and that in uh, 1899 it was 38.8%. Jesus. That's, that, that is insane. <laughs> that's an insane amount of revenue out of <laughs> revenue. 
over a third of your revenue at yeah. the turn of the 20th century was uh uh was Liquor. just from sake or, or, yeah. yeah just from alcohol sake or whatever sounds about oh, right it, uh and it finally surpassed land tax of uh uh at that time which was uh 35.6 so they got more taxes out of alcohol than they did land God. <laughs> <laughs> no sure. no uh, that yeah tracks <laughs> not um, a big not a not yeah not a lot of land in the nation but a lot of a lot of alcohol <laughs> they stack the alcohol tall uh, <laughs> well in uh, uh in 1899 the government banned home brewing uh in anticipation of the financial pressure of the first sino-japanese war uh, and in preparation for the russo-japanese war I like that. Mm. Yep, yep. We need to shore up more taxes. We've got some large wars we're about to have. No one can brew sake at home. What? <laughs> you know how much we can make off that? Uh, especially because homebrew sake was tax-free. The logic was that by banning homebrewing, the sales would increase and more taxes would revenue would be collected. Mm. Uh, Fast forward to the right. uh, Prohibition era. <laughs> I was going to say, let me, let me look into my crystal ball. It didn't completely backfire. I think people are going to bootleg the liquor. <laughs> hmm. uh, well, uh, this is the end of homebrewed uh, sake. The, uh, the Meiji government adopted a system which taxes were collected when sake was finished instead of levying the taxes on the amount and price of sake at the time of sale to ensure more revenue from liquor taxes. Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes. Oh, we'll get it when it's sold. No, 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 no. I want that weight there. No, no. Put the bot. Make sure the barrel's still there. We're weighing that too. That counts. Ouch. <laughs> uh, Some thin wood barrels. Uh, well, the liquor tax of the uh, sake. Uh, uh, sorry, the liquor tax for the sake produced in a given year had to be paid to the government during the uh, that fiscal year. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> breweries tried to make money by selling sake as soon as possible this destroyed the market for aged koshu which had been popular up until then and it was only in 1955 that sake breweries began making koshu again yeah that's that's that sounds like the uh what was it the uh the tax on like bourbon or whatever like you had to pay taxes on it for like every year that it's just, they're just yeah and it just recently changed. Like they don't have to do that anymore. It's just really, like, I'm pretty sure. Unless I'm just blowing smoke at my ass, I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I thought that it changed recently. I would assume that's a huge uh, revenue maker for the feds. Oh, oh, I mean for the state. Or is it the state that takes that? I, yeah, I think it was a state law that changed. Ah, uh, okay. The only reason I know that is because like they made some like changes for the wine industry, like the wine industry, um, and it got lumped into that bill. Huh. That's cool. Anyway, tangent. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, use the tangent sign. Card. Uh, <laughs> they're just gonna abuse that bourbon now and leave it in those barrels way too long. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Uh, God, I, I do like the, sorry, just the the idea that they just they're so pressed for for cash and how how quickly they have to turn a profit now. It's like <laughs> I need the fastest sake you can make. 
Does it have to be good? I said fast. <laughs> uh, like now, now. Not then, not now, but now, now. Right now. <laughs> when, will, when will then be now? Soon. Uh, when World War II brought rice, shor- rice shortages, the sake brewing industry was hampered uh, as the government discouraged the use of rice for brewing. Uh and as early as the 17th century, it had been discovered that small amounts of distilled alcohol could be added to sake before pressing to extract the aroma and flavors of the rice solids. During the war, large amounts of distilled alcohol and glucose were added to small quantities of rice mash, increasing the yield by as much as four times. Mm. Booze finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few brewers were producing, quote, sake, end quote, that contained no rice. <laughs> <laughs> the quality of sake during this time varied considerably. <laughs> it's vodka that contains no potato. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, incidentally, it's just a fun little thing I found there. As of 2022, so much distilled alcohol is not uh, not allowed to be added under revision under the Liquor Tax Act. Uh, 50% of the weight of the rice is the upper limit for the most inexpensive sake uh, classified as futsushu. But yeah, during a uh, oh, um, there's a section here that I didn't realize is more or less repeating what I just had. Uh, But the government was trying to to control some of that during World War II. Uh, And in 1943, the government introduced a grading system for the sake taxation for the first time. And we'll probably talk a little bit more about that the next time we cover Saki. We've got another one more of these to go. Uh, next time on <laughs> Drunken Ball Z. <laughs> well, this time, uh, let's move on into Nagori. Mm. Woo. Nagori Sake or Nagori Sake. Nagori Sake. <laughs> Uh, is cloudy sake, and I like the, the two we picked. I'm now looking at going. One's nice and white cloudy. The other one's dark and cloudy. So we're you've made yeah. yin and yang exactly. Uh, this is yeah. how it's supposed to look. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Justin's probably got the most traditional one. The Japanese word nagori is commonly translated as cloudy, and this style of sake has these beautiful white clouds of sake leaves in it. Uh, sake kasu are particles of undissolved rice that remain after fermentation. Which, I mean, most things brewed, yeah, if you're not... I mean, filtering is an afterthought nowadays. We like cloudy. It, it's a flavor. We live in flavor country now. <laughs> yeah. These are the hay... We're now we're getting into the haze country, the haze bros of the sake world. Oh... Uh. Uh, it can be sweet or dry, thin or thick, still or sparkling. You might have heard it described as unfiltered sake, but it is better described as cloudy sake. It is a say, but you would be incorrect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is a style that dates back to Kyoto in the mid-1960s and is very popular in the U.S. of A. Nagori sake is brewed in the same way as sumizake, clear sake, I'm I'm butchering all this, aren't I? Oh, who knows? Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like no, I feel like it's pretty good. Okay, I, for uh, 
Japanese, well, okay, when it's actually written out in the English alphabet, it's it's pretty straightforward with the letters and sounds. Like, I had seen somewhere it's basically like just pronounce every letter you see. Yeah, it's it's but, awfully nice. <laughs> they don't believe yeah. in they don't believe in silent letters. There, there is a series of like like two and three letter word sounds, and it's like su si like so, and like once you know that once you know those uh those phonics you can pronounce pretty much most stuff yeah and to know that if a u is at the end of an s and it's the mm-hmm. end of a sentence <laughs> it's something like oh that. It's are they like, like are they like latin where they just don't believe in punctuation no it's it's you just don't say the u really as much if it's like oh it's like okay. it's kind of like the uh, the way i understand it it's kind of like the french liaison where you're just like it just goes into the other word Mm, yeah like that it's yeah because like because i must in any of us so (laughs) (laughs) sure well what makes it nagori is the method of straining by using a coarse filter with holes no larger than two millimeters to strain the sake small particles of rice end up in the final sake they bring with them texture color and flavor Sometimes the sake is pressed to produce crystal clear sake, and then measured amount of the sake kasu is added back to the clear sake to introduce clouds. Just picturing it's uh, it's like oh no, it's, I, I'm I'm thinking of like a uh, it's so uh, hard to get this stuff out, and then you add it back in. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm thinking of a, a of a Bob Ross like just that's little, exactly just what little, I was, yeah little cloud here little cloudy sake. Yeah. Originally sake, <laughs> originally, sake was white and creamy. After fermentation, the sake was consumed without any further processing. The, good, good enough. <laughs> that'll work. That'll do, pig. Uh, there are stories that claim to describe how the trend of separating the solid from the liquid portion became the norm. Crystal clear sake became the goal for many brewers. And in Japan, the legal definition for sake was written to require that all sake be strained after fermentation. So, legally, you had to. Uh, this I, don't, I was going to say, I don't know if you talk about it later, but the, I've, I've, I've read in other things that it also became like an, like an aristocratic thing, like... They would press sake, and it was like the purest of sake, and only the nobility can have it. Whereas you common folk have this unpressed sake, like kind of like the um, oh, what do they call it? Like the party guile type uh, method of brewing, where they take the strong stuff and give it to the monks, oh, and then yeah. the second runnings, they're just like here, here come, here labors, your peasant beer, yeah. Your peasantry. I don't think we get to get into that much, but yeah, nah. that is a that is a thing. Uh, yeah, it's not the first time we've encountered such a a fun tradition. Look, the peasantry get some of the greatest things. Like we we take all the the scraps and make scrapple and <laughs> scrapple and get a all, all these delicious Franken meats. And who can forget haggis? Haggis. Mm. Turn, haggis. 
Turn a sheep inside out, ground it up with some oats, pour it all into its own stomach, and boil it to perfection. <clears throat> yeah. You say it that way. This step yeah. is... Say it, when you say it that way, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> this step to strain the sake put an end to milky sake and led to sumizake. In 1964, the brewery president of Masuda Tokubi... Yeah. Sure. Uh, Shoten... And Kyoto started petitioning for a change in legislation to allow for a return to a more traditional cloudy style of sake. He negotiated a straining system involving a mesh with holes that allow for particles to become part of the sake. This was the birth of Nagori style sake. Okay. So the, the name would be Tokubei. Okay. Just, I don't know. It's the oh, no, no, that's fine. That's what we were just trying to. So, Mas, Mas, Masuda Tokobe Shoten. Yep. Okay. Okay. Oddly oh. enough, it's like I learned in Finnish. It's one letter, one sound. So, it's if it's an. It, it just, if it's two E's, then it's A. Like, you just extend the, the way that you're saying. Like, it's two B's. A. Ah, Finland. Yeah. Finland. yeah. The, they just put a, an extra letter to like draw it out. <laughs> they uh, they put an extra letter to fonz it out. <laughs> <laughs> the Finnish, the hillbillies of Europe. <laughs> I mean, wait, Finland, Finland's where the White Death was, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Although the sediment in Nagori settles at the bottom of the bottle, a quick shake is all it takes <laughs> to blend the sake back to its opaque, milky color, unless you're me and let it sit for, like, way <laughs> too long. We don't even know how long it's been. Oh, uh, there, are, there are early runs, I'll guarantee that. Is there a bottled on? Like... Uh, that bottle's dead, and you need to go open another one. Mm. <laughs> we We debated for a long time to put, like, shake like like a shake well before <laughs> or shake because one of the other breweries they they uh their uh nigori was called bad baby and they put a tagline on there to shake the baby <laughs> oh that's great problematic oh that's great i'll take 10 <laughs> or what you could do is get some of those uh um the bottles that you basically store it upside down and yeah. turn it right side up. So, because I know uh, Urban Artifact, which is of sake. Yeah. Urban Artifact, who they brew just like massively overfruited beers up here in Cincinnati. They're just like, no, you just, just put them in because it's all cans. So they just put yeah. it in the fridge upside down. And then, right, you know, as you turn it up when you're getting ready to enjoy it, it does the, you know, remixing of everything. What was the brewery that had like the instructions on how to serve their hazies where they were like, you had to like roll it on the table for like so many times. And then like, you couldn't just invert it and re and, and uh, you couldn't just invert the like can or whatever. You had to like roll it and do this. Like, was that uh, a sequence of steps? You had to do that with Listerman's, but I don't think they put it on the bottles or the cans, but I, I regret. I remember vividly going through all that rigmarole trying to drink Listerman hazies from like mm-hmm. three years ago. 
it was a process. Um, I, rem- right. I remember you showing as like, wait, you got to do what now? Can I just drink it? I just feel like that meme, uh, the uh, the meme of the guy where it's like they're doing something and he just goes like picks up a can and like inverts it, does it, sets it down and just goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's done. All right. Uh, back on track. Although the sediment. Although the sediment Nagori settles at the bottom, a quick shake's all it takes to blend it back uh, to its milky color. Nagori sakes are deliberately unrefined, so a high rice polishing rate is not what you're looking for here. Although I'm sure there are Jumai... Oh, God. What did Daiginjo? You... Daiginjo Nagoris out there. Sorry, I've heard all these words. <laughs> then when you suddenly are staring them down... After having staring, most of a bottle of sake, when when You're even staring down the bottle of a Daiginjo, <laughs> when uh, the spell checker's like, "No, nah, dog, something went wrong." <laughs> <laughs> There's too many, too many consonants in this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, although I'm sure there are Junmai Daiginjo Nagoris. Is that right? Mm-hmm. All right, out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. It's a little purposeless to put rice through the expensive and time-consuming milling process to produce a sake that is celebrated for its rustic qualities. Mm. Mm. All right. So I guess we'll talk about some rice now. Uh, Yeah, some rice rice baby. Uh, (laughs) Although historically people made sake with commonly available table rice, over time, different strains have become bred as sake mai, which is basically just sake rice. Mai is rice. Um, specifically used for sake brewing. There are significant, uh, significant differences between the rice served with your meal and varieties used to make sake. And Tell although... What's Tell that? Me I can't just go get some... Uh, like I, The sake rice does not look like some Uncle Ben's or something? I mean, you can eat sake rice. Okay. It is, it is, you can eat it and get sustenance from it. It is just very bland. Okay. <laughs> um, and let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Yeah. And so, um, uh, and it just has to do with the different qualities of the rice that lends it to being better for brewing sake, or as like we've kind of alluded to in uh, the previous section for the, um, Sume sake is this pure, clean, refined, delicate sake. So you don't want kind of a rustic rice or a, uh, to brew with. But anyway, um, uh, do, 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 and now although all the rice grown in Japan is only 44% of, oh man, you had to throw this in there and I can, I can never pronounce this word. <laughs> Uh, uh, rice suitable for making sake. Uh, what well, what well, well, oh, is somebody gonna try to Shuzo Koteki Mai? Oh, Shuzo Koteki, yeah, Shuzo Koteki Mai. I think I pronounced that right. Um, uh, other than that, there are about a hundred represented here. Uh, the differences start with the rice plants. Uh, those plants tend to be taller with wider ears. The grains themselves are bigger, plumper grains. Right. Um, yeah. grains, grains are big. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Baby Gra- go- grains are big. Baby more, got- more sugar, more, more stuff, more sugar, more alcohol. Baby got grains. Yeah, baby got grain. Uh, like <laughs> red beans sorry. and red beans and rice did not, in fact, miss her. <laughs> a much larger starchy core is also a hallmark of many kakimai. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, sakimai. Um, and uh, that what in in a white starchy core called a shimpaku, which literally means white heart. The larger grains are less likely to crack and jeopardize that starchy center, and are an essential, uh, essential element the yeast feeds on during the polishing process, uh, making it possible to remove more and more proteins, lipids, and fats from around the shimpaku. The shim, uh, and also the shimpaku dissolves more easily in the maromi or the match. Uh, so yeah, what that means basically is when you concentrate all the all the starches, or when you breed it to concentrate all those starches in a dense core, you can mill it more uh, to a higher degree and still keep that those starches in there. So you're not losing starch to get rid of the unwanted bits. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, let's say so. There are numerous types of rice, uh, but there are the big four, which we've kind of already alluded to: Yamanashiki, the king of sake rice, Omachi, the grandfather of sake rice, <laughs> uh, Gyakumangoku, and uh, uh, Miyama. Uh, <laughs> Miyama. Sorry, my cat is like oh. trying to like. Get- my shoulder. We, we're we're all juggling cats. I am. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> well, I'm trying to read words from another language and deal with a cat. Um, if Casey's camera yeah. was on, all we would see is a cat's anus. Well, and it doesn't hurt that the words that you're trying to say also sound like meow. So <laughs> the cat's like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I got you. There was uh, the thing I had. They had like the kanji, and I was just kind of copied it over into this uh, for it. But I'm like always looking. I'm just like. God, an, an ideogrammic language, a written language, is just bananas to me. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, we're not making sounds. This is a symbol that represents a thing. Oh, God, why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the big four was Yamanashiki, uh, Omachi, Gyakumanguku, and Miyama Nishiki. Um, are kind of the four main sake varietals, but Yamada Nishiki by far is the most uh, common that you'll see. So um, the, uh, uh, the Gyokuman Goku, after you're done with that sake, if it, you know, if you're done with that rice, does it come back stronger the next time? <laughs> get like a Zenkai, no, does it does not get a Zenkai it boost? It doesn't have say in biology, if that's oh, what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what so Gyaku Mangoku like it it's a hand it, it it's like a numeric like thing. Um I don't speak Japanese even though I make this stuff. Um but uh Gyaku Mangoku it's a uh they're just starting to grow it in the US, but it's um a Pretty sought. I mean, it's it's a sought after rice, particularly for koji making. Okay. Um, it's said to make very good kakimai or koji mai, or I'm sorry, not kakimai. Yeah, 
Kojimai um, for Saki Brewing. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, there's also um, there's also a push, and I think it's in the Saki Brewing world. And I think it's like a artifact from like winemaking and like uh, terroir and like geographic identifiers where like different prefectures in Japan are starting to apply for geographic indicators for their sake. And it's like rice that is grown in only this prefecture in Japan. We may so talk about, those, what's that? We may talk about one of them or at least a hybrid that might be coming. Yeah. One of those. Uh, but like of those a hundred and like a uh, hundred and something varietals, like there are some that are only grown in like regional type rices grown in certain prefectures. Um, but uh, the former of the two breeds, uh, I'm sorry, the former two are breeds that have existed since before the war. Do you mean World War Two? Yeah, or I believe the war? World War Two. Okay. Uh, called uh, a Kute type. Um, the latter are uh, the latter two are breeds that were developed uh, for colder latitudes in the post-war period. Um, uh, Waze type. I think that's uh, right. Yeah, the uh, the former two are more uh, ripened, juicier, making sake relatively savory and full-bodied. The latter two are harder and do not dissolve in the Maromi, thus giving clean, fresh flavors to the sake. In comparison with Yamada Nushiki, Omachi uh, tends to give a wilder, full-body flavor to the sake. Of course, uh, it is not only types... Uh, th th these are not the only types of sake rice. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't read. Of course... It is not only types of rice that determine the flavors of sake, but it might be interesting to keep in mind that when drinking the sake, um, you will get different flavors out of them. Um, like in my kind of um, experience, Yamanushiki is like the cleaner of the two. Omachi is a little bit, it is, it's like different spectrums. Yamanushiki, it's preferred for how clean it, it comes out and you can get like a, I generally get like a floral, like cleaner taste to it. Whereas on Machi, you get more robust flavors. And a lot of times I'll describe it to people as like a rye or like a, like a grain, grainy type of flavor lending towards like rye. Um, uh, yeah. So a lot of whiskey drinkers, I'll say like, you would like this on Machi mm -hmm. because it is flavors that you are familiar with. There's you're yeah. There's one of your language. <laughs> there's one of those uh, that you make that when it's uh, it, I was seeing Omachi. It's like, oh, I think I know which one of these uses Omachi. <laughs> yeah, it is. It personally is my favorite of of the sake rices. Uh, just it is it is a pain to work with on the brewing side uh, because it is very inconsistent. But the flavor is. Um, that that's why you put up with the bitchiness of this rice. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but but yeah, every rice it it it's it lend, it does lend to a different taste in the sakes. Um, it's a little subtler, but once you start 
trying it and you pick up some of these like nuances, it's uh, kind of crazy how much flavor you can get from it. Um, but having said that, the sake is using these type. Uh, the sake is using the types of rice uh, grown in the local regions have recently bec- uh, been gaining popularity. For example, in uh, <laughs> Deba Shuko, uh, Joe Shoko uh, from Yamana Prefecture, um, and the um, Gin um, Gingiga uh, from uh, Iwata Prefecture are. Uh, are becoming more in the spotlight. Um, and that's kind of echoes what I said earlier is like these geographic indicators or just like the locality and regionality of these, uh, right of these regions known for growing certain rice varietals. Um, everyone wants to have their own, uh, Appalachian for their, yeah. Uh, for their, well, yeah, and it's, it's, it's also like that, I guess that regional pride too, um <laughs> look like there there are those of us of the show that when someone say uh uh like oh is it bourbon well uh, was it made in kentucky i have no idea what uh, you're talking about <laughs> i mean bourbon yeah. outside of kentucky that's heresy talk right there <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what the fuck you're talking about exterminatus <laughs> and i don't like it <laughs> no sir don't like it <sighs> well so getting into uh, the different types, uh, the Okute type. So as, as we just kind of briefly mentioned, the Omachi. Omachi grown in Okayama is one of the few strains of sake rice that is still pure. Well, that's, that's a little, <laughs> whenever I hear like, it's one of the few things that are still pure. Oh, getting a lot of eugenics vibes here. <laughs> okay but i mean um, that i'm sorry but but a lot of the like that i guess that purity in sake um you 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 hear that pop up a lot but it has to i guess with modern brewing techniques and trying to refine it to the most delicate uh refined kind of product that it can be mm-hmm. um is what I guess what they're going for. Yeah, I know. It just when I hear it like in a sentence occasionally, my yeah. brain just goes, ooh. Mm. Yeah. It's hard to yeah. Uh while not a result of crossbreeding itself, this Okute rice has been used for that purpose to such an extent that it's a genetic parent of sixty percent of all sake rice. Uh yeah. It's the grandfather of sake rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the it was popular as a table rice in the Meiji era, but when produce, production became more industrialized, omachi was found to be too difficult to harvest by machine. <laughs> uh, by the 1920s, it had dropped off the scene completely, not returning until the 1980s. Sake made with omachi rice have an earthy taste that reveals a variety of subtle flavors within. I like that they're also like, yeah, not only is it hard to brew with, apparently it's hard to harvest. No <laughs> one wants to deal with this Every, thing. Everything is just, <laughs> just don't do this. It's um, also like, from what I, rem- like from what I remember uh, learning about it, it's also the way it grows. It's like taller and, uh, 
it it's just not like I guess it just grows too tall and it's not very structurally stable and can like fall over and it's just <laughs> difficult to grow, difficult to harvest, difficult to brew with. <laughs> like why are we doing this? Um, yeah. yeah, Chris, all I could think of during that was yeah, very tall, easily knocked over, <laughs> difficult to. Look, I'm just saying weak ankles are part of the territory. I mean, you, it just happens. Necessary? Is it necessary to grow a machi? No, because it's sterile and I like the That's taste. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, God. That might have to be another reference point of us. So when we're like, it's either Eddie Izzard or that. Like, I feel like. It's a. Yeah, so who looking? Chris, there's a uh, there's an episode of uh, uh, I think it was Brain Blade. It's one of the Simon videos, and they they talk about like terrible cures that people have been trying over the years, and one of them was like urine therapy. <laughs> oh, God. And all I could think of the entire time he's talking about it was like, nope, but it's sterile, and I like the taste. <laughs> I don't know. Did you catch the? There was one recently. Uh, Brittany was home while I was watching it. It was. Uh, Things that'll horrify you to learn, and it was something like um, coffee, and they're talking about coffee made it work. The percentage of it that's poop. Oh, <laughs> Just oh yeah, I think I have contamination. <laughs> yeah, and he's like currently, like at the moment, he's reading. He's like, I'm drinking coffee right now at the office. It, it cuts to the 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 meme of uh, the Oak Cliff from uh, uh, Austin Powers too, where yeah. it's like this coffee tastes, tastes like shit. <laughs> shit. Austin, it is shit. Oh, then it's not just me. <laughs> he goes back. Though. Yeah, he goes back. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move out yes. of the back, back the to the sake, which is not not shit, not poop. Um, yeah. So the main sources for the homachi is uh, are are from uh, Okayama. Hiroshima and Gifu as as some of the uh, examples there. Wait, wait, what years? Okay, so they stopped doing it. You know, I feel like there's another reason they stopped using Omachi during the 20s and didn't Hiroshima? pick it back up until the 80s. Mm-hmm. They were getting some of it from from Hiroshima. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the, so the origin, though, is the Okayama Prefecture at the end of the Edo period in 1866. Uh so the characteristics, though, they tend to give sake complexity and wilderness. I love that as an adjective. Wilderness. Uh, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is that applied to all of Sierra Nevada's? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, its cultivation is so difficult that it was a rare breed at one time. It sounds like it, yeah. Uh, okay, so then the Yamada Nishiki. Yamada Nishiki is sometimes called the king of sake rice. Grown in Hyogo, as well as uh, Fukuoka, Tokushima, and Okayama, which is apparently the home of sake, I guess. Um, Apparently, we need to go to Okayama. Yeah. uh, um, This okute rice is often used to make the most delicate styles of premium sake, especially daiginjo. Yamada Nishiki absorbs water and dissolves relatively easily, and its soft grains require great care in polishing. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up is that, like, they bred this rice specifically for the brewers and making sake in it. Like, the big things are how it absorbs water 
So that helps with steaming the rice, um, how it dissolves in the mash so that you can get, you know, larger yields and you're getting full extraction out of your, um, uh, out of that, that sugar. Um, and also it gives you a consistent melting, um, meaning that you'll have a consistent profile in the ferment. Um, and also too, like what she said, the, the, the helps in polishing. Cause when it cracks like that, then you just increase the surface area and then the, the Koji enzymes get in there and can dissolve it a lot faster. And then you just get like huge bumps in sugar, um, which is not what you want. Um, I do want to like, cause I, there's, there's kanji for this. Like there wasn't the, the section above in the script. I'm just looking at it going like trying to like, just look at it. It's like, okay, weird W a box, <laughs> like a window. <laughs> and then just, just the most kanji looking kanji I've ever seen in my life. I just look at it like, yeah, that's, that's what I expect when I see <laughs> Japanese writing. Yeah. Well, and how, see, it's... I'm not even. Because I'm not learning script, so it's like, well, okay, so which is kanji, which is hiragana, uh, romaji? I, I like. Well, romaji, I know is is like when they write it out in English, like they use like the the. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. Like, like an English alphabet. Well, like a, a, yeah, I think there hiragana there are versus... some words in here that are kanji, and then the other one that she said, which is not kanji, the yeah, hiragana. Period. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I don't know. Like whatever I'm kind of like. There's a there are some some things in a, a like some like little info things up in Void that have like the uh, uh, like how the kanji to you know to make oh, so yeah. to make the word yeah. sake you know show up. And I'm just like, yeah, this is why this language is bonkers to me. <laughs> I I will say when so the um, oh uh, what's the website now? I'm drawing a blank on it. But they have the the infographics you were mm-hmm. alluding to, and one of them is like you know how to it, it's for like an English speaker on how to like in like uh, to get the kanji right that ideographic language, and it's like oh sake there are, it comes from like the word like representation of water and the vessel that you drink it out of. So when you mix them together, it looks like a sake vessel. Mm-hmm. But it looks like a butt plug. Yes, <laughs> totally does. But that, yeah. that is that—that's the infographic I'm thinking of. Where it's like, yeah, it's this and this. Like, oh, that makes sense. And together, they make a butt plug. <laughs> so a butt plug means sake. Got it. That's what we all learned today. You see, see characters, and it looks like a butt plug talking about sake. Well, I, I, when I put that up there, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. We're going to teach people like what these kanji words mean, and then not. Like the next day, a customer comes in who's like, Why is there a butt plug photo on here? <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Takes that uh, other set of eyes. Uh, yeah. Okay. So to finish out the, the Yamada Nishiki, um, so as we said, main sources Hyogo, uh, Fukuoka, and uh, Tokushima. So the origin is Hyogo Prefecture during the Taisho period, 1912 to 1926. That is uh, the the son of the uh, the Majai Emperor, who it's it's believed that there was something like desperately wrong with him, mm. like he he 
he was not healthy and not well, and they they hid the emperor from the public. And Hirohito took up a lot more duties, like public duties, but people did not see the emperor during that time. Just some like Habsburg kind of shit going on. <laughs> they're not. They're not. Uh, there's some disagreement about what might have been wrong with him. He could have been like developmentally challenged, or it could be that there was like some physical issues, and no one's entirely like. I have not found someone that has told, like, definitively said what was wrong with them. Was it like the monarchs in Europe and they all had hemophilia? Kind like no, it's more like a uh, um, look. That Habsburg jaw was recognizable <laughs> from generations they, away. There's at least a lot of indication that he was mentally unsound mm-hmm. um, in some way, and it might have just been that he was crazy. It could have been that there was some, so, yeah, some kind of developmental problem, maybe, but. That was the period that the military went, look, we have to do what's right for the country, and the emperor will thank us for it, even if he doesn't understand that we're taking more control from him. Mm. And you went, guys, didn't we get rid of show? Okay, well, that's fine. Carry on. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Back to the characteristics. I keep (laughs) derailing things. This is what we do. Uh, A train is off the tracks. I mean, yeah. Uh, and then we get to re-rail back onto the tracks. Sort of. Um, it's a little wonky, though. There's a wheel missing. Uh, so at this point, uh, the characteristics for Yamada Nishiki, which I keep having to scroll up to look at what I'm even talking about anymore. Uh, so it has the greatest market share due to its perfect characters for sake rice. Uh, and it tends to give sake or savory flavors to sake. Mm beef <laughs> no it's not but it's just the first thing i like say although i guess maybe it would be good with like ramen oh, i'd go for some ramen right now mm. moving into wasp types oh wait. Whoa. whoa where's casey which room are you in right now oh hold up, it, hold up. i think Hold it's up. not the room with the computer in it. Let me tell it's you. It's not that. the room with the microphone. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> there we go. Oh, That's what happens with the microphones on your head and not in front of your mouth. I, I was a hundred percent certain you had you had flipped up your your mic. <laughs> That's what I leave, do. Leave this in. <laughs> I might. I don't because. <laughs> All right, moving on to waste or was types. Uh, grains of this these types are a bit. Hard and do not easily dissolve in the moram, moral, moromi. Moromi. Tends to be clean and fresh sake. Wasse types refers to the rice breeds that ripen quickly. Is it wasse or is it wasse? wasse? Yeah. It'd be wasse. wasse. They, they don't believe in silent letters. Yeah. Wasse. There is no, because uh, I tried to look it up on YouTube earlier. There is no YouTube pronunciation for this one. I'm certain. <laughs> Uh, Gohoyaku Mangoku. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You did a good job. Nice. Yep. Is the you second most widely used sake rice in Japan. The wase rice is grown along this wase rice is grown along the northwestern coast, especially around Nagata, where it was discovered in 1938. Its large inner core is almost pure starch, and it yields light body sakes with a fresh, clean taste. But the giant core prevents high levels of polishing. I guess it, once you get down so deep, it just dissolves, sort of. When you're, you'll ruin the core, which is what you want at a yeah 
gotcha. I also like the like discovered 1938. It makes it seem like they were on an on an expedition. <laughs> finding Bigfoot, finding Yoko Mangoku. I'd watch that. There's yeah. Leonard Nimoy there going, well, we'll see if we can find Gyoko Mangoku. Hold on, I'm gonna look up the literal translation of that because it's bugging me now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it 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 means like a handful, like like four thousand or something. Anyway, yeah, you <laughs> you you continue, Casey. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm picturing rice in an orange ghee. The main sources of this rice are from Nagata, Fuki, Fukui, uh, Toyama, and Tech. Probably supposed to be etc. There's a typo. Oh, etc. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Like it's not capitalized. Uh, Nagata Prefecture, though, is its origin. The characteristics are large grains with a large inner part that is close to pure starch. Tends to produce clean and fresh sakes. Man, I had many typos in that section that I didn't catch. <laughs> Good job, Casey. The Miyama Nishiki. Uh, sake or rice type is uh, also a wase rice. It grows well in cold weather and produces rich sake with strong rice flavors. It is grown in Awata, Akita, Yamagata, Miyagi, Fukushima, and Nagano, often at higher altitudes. Okay, that makes sense because Nagano is definitely a uh, Winter Olympic site, right? Where uh, it had that yeah. giant mountain. Yeah. Well, and it. Uh, hmm. Well, okay. I'm trying to think of where Fukushima is. I know, like that was shoreline, though, wasn't it? Yeah, because the tsunami hit that, and that caused but, the, uh, the nuclear meltdown. I'm assuming it's a large prefecture, like it could range. That's the coastline, yeah. but then, of course, there's plenty there's inland. So many prefectures in Japan, like you're just like, God, dude, you're not that big. How do you have room for all this? Uh, it was developed as a mutant in 1978 when rice, when a rice breed called Takashi. <laughs> Shiki uh, was radiated at Nagano Agriculture Test Center. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's alive! Like now we're doing genetic, you know, genetic changes. So we're just like, okay, let's let's do the CRISPR technique, inject this gene into that. They were just sort of like, let's throw gamma radiation at it and see what happens. (laughs) Maybe we'll get. I mean, has anybody not heard of the ruby red grapefruit? That's what they do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, hmm, what kind of uh, kind of superpowers can we get off this? This is how yeah. Sunfire was born out of the X-Men. Let's <laughs> slap it with radiation. Uh, Welcome it. to Sake Park. This is a hardy breed that is widely cultivated in Tohoku, uh, district northern part of Japan. It tends to produce clean sake with smooth textures such as Jumai Ginju. I am one like it's like it's hardy. That's because it's the Hulk. It's got gamma rays. <laughs> There's also another strain of rice we come across in our research: the Koshi Tenrai. 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 I don't know. I'm I'm taking a guess. Oh, what is it? Yeah. Koshi Tenrai is the child of Yamada Nikishi and Go Go. Mm. Mangoku is a perfect example. It was better when it had the dashes in between. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's a perfect example of Terwan sake brewing with Nagata's cool climate. Yamada Nikishi 
Nishiki uh, had to be imported from other prefectures. Nagata's Brewers wanted a local Sakamai that would offer a similar flavor profile, even something richer, if possible. Although Goyaku Mangoku is, yeah, <laughs> is a Nagata Sakamai, uh, its small grains make it more likely to crack during the polishing process. Finally released in 2004, Koshi Tanurai has inherited all of its parents' strongest features and none of the negatives. When the first Koshi Tanurai sake hit the market in 2007, it made by local brewers, it won plenty of awards at the Zinkoku Zinshu Kenpayokai. The That's basically league. the yeah. It's basically a comp uh, competition. It's like a technical competition for sake brewers. Ah. Yeah, you are making a technically good sake, Just <laughs> the best kind of correct. Technically correct. It's not the ones yeah, that sell the best, but the ones that are just technically like the they, Yeah, it's the it's the ones that like the the real like you're gonna have like some aficionados that are like yeah this. I, I, um, I mean, yeah, for beer drinkers, it might be uh, akin to like the um, BJCP standard categories. May, maybe that or the Great American, the Great American I, Beer Fest, like I, awards I, or whatever. I was thinking that like, this is like this feels a little GABF. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was I, I was gonna been... say I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, Pace, you, you, um, I was doing a off a side. I'm derailing this train. <laughs> uh, I think he's giving you a chance to, to say what you were to say before he takes this thing off the tracks. Oh, um, so I looked up with the, the Gyaku Mangoku. Oh. Um, it translates to 5 million Koku uh, or approximately 9 million liters <laughs> as a commemoration to Nagata's rice yield surpassing 5 million Koku that year. Okay. Uh, although it was approximately 20 years, uh, it, or it took 20 years for Gyaku Mangoku to go mainstream. Its suitable characteristics and adaptability to mechanized brewing eventually led the rice to hold the largest cultivation acreage among sake rice varietals uh, until being surpassed by the famed Yamada Nishiki in 2001. Nowadays, Gyaku Mangoku is cultivated all across Japan, with its highest producing regions being in the northwestern prefectures of Niigata, Toyama, uh, Ishikawa, and Fujiku. Fujiki? Fujiki? Fuji? Yeah, Fujiku. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go, Toriyama. Teach a dinosaur to ride a ball. Yeah. Right. The bird. <laughs> gonna teach him to do what see you hit us with educational stuff and i was just gonna be like oh yeah all the, the competitions that just like random neuron fired in my head and it was just like oh yeah the u.s uh beer open just happened and uh urban artifact won three gold medals nice congratulations to them what were the categories or the uh, uh it, was all, fruits. Yeah, it was all fruit <laughs> Fruit of this, sour that. Yep. They, they fruit and they sour and they do all those very well. That's what I'm interested to see. So, like, fuck Loki. God damn it. Sorry. <laughs> the cat strikes again. 
We get it. He was being all cute and cuddly and then decided to go. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, oh, shit. The American Saki Fest. So um, when we went last year, I think it was us and Ben's American or Ben's uh, American Sake that had flavored infused sakis. Mm-hmm. And uh, the winner of the People's Choice Award was our tangerine creamsicle. Of course. <laughs> okay. It's what people want. Yeah. And so um, I was on on a call or on a uh, conversation with uh, on the uh, the Saki Reddit. Uh, and they were like, what's the what's the over under on like who's going to like what what Sakis are going to win? And I'm like, well, depending like going off last year. Like Asheville is a craft beer town. Charlottesville is probably very similar. I'd have to say flavored sakes are going to be pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tangerine just reminded me of like uh, last night when I was down at Void and someone, uh, like there's someone who hadn't been there before. They're just like, oh, that tangerine creamsicle sounds good. And I'm just sitting there drinking. And I just went, you'll like it. Just go ahead and get it. <laughs> They're like, what? No, no, it's fine. Trust me. You'll, you'll enjoy yourself. Bartender comes up. You selling people drinks again? Eh. <laughs> I honestly, you and there's another regular that do that. They're like, <laughs> "What's your flavor profile?" And I'm just like, "I'm gonna walk away. Like, I'll come back and check on you in a minute. I'll let her do her thing." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> No, it's great. I'm just like, okay, cool. Oh, helping, I don't have really. to do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like being helpful. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, um, the the conversation that one of y'all had where it was like, what's the difference between bourbon and like whiskey? And you're like, I have to interject right oh, now. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. me with a buzz <laughs> down at the levee wall. Brittany's riding the little kitty train with our child drinking well we're like not only can an adult get on this thing they can get on it with a beer (laughs) we're like the game just changed but i'm wandering around drunk and people are like what's what is the difference between bourbon and whiskey and buzzed me is like we've got to put our knowledge in and educate these poor folk (sighs) well fellas i believe it is time talk about what we're drinking i guess i'll go first (laughs) i was waiting for the sounder oh okay she she was i don't know where one of the finest wines of idaho Uh, would you taste it for us please (laughs) excellent choice should be for 95 cents Uh, to also add to that, I think we've talked about it before. I don't know. Muppets Mayhem. We have. If, if you've not, we haven't finished it yet, but it is. We have like three episodes left. Exquisite. I need to, I need to get well, that. Well, so I good. I must, I must say that I am drinking one of the finest sakes of Kentucky. That's true. <laughs> um, not, not a muscat sake, but a, uh, I am drinking what's called a Nama Nagori Ginshu, which means it is unpasteurized Nama. Uh, it is a Nagori, which matches with the uh, topic, that cloudy sake. And Ginshu 
it is uncut, so it is 18%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give me that good shit. <laughs> it will get you there. Pure Nicaraguan. <laughs> uh. No, but it's it is very like thick, creamy, um, ricey, um, borderline like you get kind of that grainy like astringent character, but like the sweetness of the rice solids just cuts that down. Yeah. And it, you start describing really- it, and it's just the rhythm of how you say it, you're saying it. And in my head, I'm just getting the the intro to Baby Got Back. I'm just hearing bump, yeah, All right, Brittany, put that to music. <laughs> oh, we got back. Uh, I'll get there. <laughs> Baby got to Gory. <laughs> I like them real thick and grainy. <laughs> or oh, thick see, and grainy. Either way. I, I only hear Baby Got Back in my head now in the Jonathan Colton style. So. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. What is wrong? I got crackheads running. <laughs> like these cats are just galloping forth. back and forth. <laughs> like, That's how our cats uh, don't we, run. We they, call that the witching hour. Uh, <laughs> our cats don't run. They gallop. It's a full on like you're <laughs> like what is happening? Uh, also, the post poop zoomies. <laughs> Actually, one of my one of my favorite words is uh, the type of organism a cat is. They call crepuscular. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So you have your nocturnal animals, you have your diurnal animals, and you have the ones that operate in <laughs> in betweens called corpuscular. <laughs> That's a horrible and awesome word all at once. Uh, they exist whenever they feel like. <laughs> because cats. Behind, over over my shoulder, you can watch them reenacting the scene from Lion King. Oh, they they love to do it. Yeah. Scar, brother! Long live the king! <laughs> uh, Alright, Chris, Brittany, what are you guys drinking? Uh, some very old, but... Couple things. I couldn't tell. Like, it's it was good. delicious. Uh, we started off with some Nine Monkeys from who knows how long ago. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. It was probably... It's at least two years old. First batch you did, maybe? No, it's not that old. When was the first batch you did? Because it's from that. You're unaware uh, of my cellar. It, it's been a minute. It still tastes good, though. So that's yeah. what matters. <laughs> and then uh, what's the other one? You've got the bottle. Uh, milk of the Void. Oh, Jesus. I was about to say, that looks too dark to be. <laughs> <laughs> I told them, like, you should... You should probably start nine monkeys and then finish off with some milk. I've had fresh milk. I've had the fresh milk before, and honestly, this tastes just as good. So I was going to say that that's almost a year old. A year old in October, because mm-hmm. that's when I make it. Yeah, I've had it fresh before, and this honestly, I'm like, no, it's still like it holds. I so. I told him so. We're we're going to be down in that area tomorrow, and. I need to grab. Well, first of all, is there any pineapple left? Uh, oh, oh, uh, I, I'm your runner. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's in my fridge. Oh, okay, okay. I've I'll be making more of it. 
Um, but I don't have it right now. I have some in my fridge for you guys. Okay. Well, if you're gonna be if you're gonna be here tomorrow, then you'll see me at the void. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I will be there. We we may need to just yeah. <laughs> More things. But yes, uh even though these are we're not a hundred percent sure about the age, uh, but they're they're both still quite good. So it doesn't really matter. They're several months, I would say. They're, yeah, not not too old, but old enough. Well, mine is uh, quite fresh because I bought it last night. Because <laughs> uh, you live there. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I guess for the, for the viewers, the Nine Monkeys is uh, banana. Uh, we call it banana pudding, but it's basically banana cream. Mm-hmm. Like it's a banana and vanilla infused nigori, and then the milk of the void is the squid ink and lemon. Yeah. Oh, it's lemon. S- okay. Squid ink taste the, the the squid ink milk of the void tastes a lot lighter than you think looking at it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You hold that. You up, look at like, it and you're just oh, like, oh god. Is he drinking what is this a stout? Be? And it's like, no, that's squid ink and gold. Where the that, the mon- nine monkeys one is it's, it's it's um oh, what is it uh like banana cream pie. Gonna take a sixteen yeah. carat yeah. shit after I this. I feel like tapioca pudding. It it turns it turns into tapioca pudding when you heat it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not yeah. a. I feel like nigori is not where I want to go in the hot sake. So, you know, you'd be surprised. No, there's a, there's a lot of it that you know. I, I, look, during the winter, I have I have tried hot sakes. Some of them are, are pretty good. You don't always really want to do the nigoris. I don't. I wouldn't recommend a lot of them there. I would definitely not tell you to get a tangerine hot. Oh God! <laughs> it's like, look, in the winter, the power goes out. You get bored. <laughs> you try some things. No, okay, no. In the winter, what I want, if if I had to get in a hot sake, it would be that horchata one. Mm. I do not remember yeah. the name. Yeah, but my God, uh, echoes. It's echoes. something yeah, with it's cinnamon really and nutmeg. Yeah, yeah, basically, or the banana uh, yeah. foster one. Anyway, uh, I'm I am drinking nine monkeys, uh, fresh from uh, from there, thirteen percent. So not not terrible for the, uh, yeah. And it is it is a nice but <clears throat> nice little banana bomb. Banana bomb reminds me of the. Uh, do y'all remember the Wells banana bread beer? Mm. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. That's what it reminds me of. That stuff's yeah. amazing still. I, uh, I was telling someone, it's like, oh, uh, there, there is a, there is a regular that I see that I'm just like, oh man, his wife is going to, uh, like they need to know that that, that, that it's on sale because, uh, if he misses it again, <laughs> it sells out before he can pick up a bottle again, she's going to kill him. Is so, um, or, or, uh, I guess with the series, we are going to talk about sake yeasts. Probably gonna that'll probably be some of the stuff we'll talk about next okay. uh, next episode. Because I if if I could like brew enough to like sell an entire like batch of of this, then I would use a a different yeast just to ratchet up that banana. Mm, okay, yeah, with like a little bit of bubble gum is usually what comes out of that yeast. But yeah, it'd be like Wells banana bread. <laughs> oh. Isolamyl acetate to the max. <laughs> <laughs> it's over 9,000. Ah! 
a lot of Dragon <laughs> Ball references today. Yeah. I mean, what do you It's 9001. 9001. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Casey, what have you got? Casey, I am on an L8 Zero Sugar. <laughs> nice. Taking it easy tonight. I am. Um, I had a few drinks last week, of course, going to uh, going to Disney and tiki mm. bars and whatnot. So you were at Trader yeah. Sam's Grog, or no? You were just at Trader Sam, not the Grog Grotto, just just the the, the original, the OG Trader Sam's. Yeah, and yep. I'm, I'm pretty jelly. The Enchanted Tiki Bar, um, which the... I did. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Casey. No, 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 no. I was going to ask: Is that the like restaurant that they made based off the the pilot from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ooh. That is um oh god. Jacques it's Jacques Tiki Lindsay's. Bar. What is it? That's Jacques Lindsay's. That's uh Jacques. Yeah, right. that's a Jacques. Disney Oh yeah, Springs. okay. Yep, the one in Disney Springs area. Yeah. So um I was able to get though they did release some uh, new tiki bar pins, uh, Disney trading pins, and so I was able to to snag one of those while I was there. Now I just need to find the one for the the uh, East Coast, and we'll be able to set that pair up. But yes. Oh, you got the void pins too. Oh wait. Speaking of my pins, I've got my my three year membership pins. That that is the Pokemon of <laughs> that, that that's, that's the right. collect them all I'm doing. I, I joke that this is the year I hit Commander because uh, I have three pips now, and the Star Trek rules are. <laughs> While I am uh, a fan of pin trading for Disney, uh, they are definitely the more Pokemon like or the Pokemon on steroids because there's like over eight thousand pins out there now. Mm-hmm. God damn. It's like you it's, can never catch them all, so just pick it. That's almost like Boy Scouts, like patch trading. Oh, like totally. When you, when you go to like big jamborees for like other like uh, like they, councils or whatever, and you like trade you trade your patches with other ones. Boy Scouts wasn't an option when I was a child. Um, that that there are they trade patches. I thought they earned them and then they just showed them off. No, it's your um. Your council trade. patch, like the one that's on one of your shoulders. Oh, like, those patches. Like people would trade those. Um, gotcha, gotcha. Much like challenge coins. Yes, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Because they're unique to like the different regions that you're in. Gotcha, okay. So yes, that has been what we are drinking. <laughs> All right, yeah. And I guess uh, I wrote today's episode. Uh, <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm not looking at the doc. Sorry. You're good. Uh, with uh, 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 resources All from. Right. You can. Uh, Bob has written today's episodes using oh. uh, sources from Sake Talk, uh, Sake Times, and Tippy Sake. Tipsy. Tipsy. Sake. Yeah, I was going to say. And certainly feels like I am. Uh, also Wikipedia. You can subscribe uh, and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at Have a Drink Show on social media and twitch.tv. And you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. Uh, or, you know, I'm still listening to the uh, to the empty void when you scream into it. I usually <laughs> hear it on Friday nights. It's 
That's I was just saying that's apt for uh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh well uh let's say my uh Chris is otherwise occupied because our child um nightmares. So uh all joking and fun aside, we'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Uh also we want to thank Justin Levon again for being on the show. Uh oh, super, super awesome to have like uh, kind of a first-hand perspective on on the sake uh, process and and everything about it, really. So, um, I didn't stay earlier that I I kind of forgot, but uh, the uh, like next month uh, the uh, Sake Brewers Association is sending myself and two other North American sake brewers to. Uh, Basically, live in a sake brewery in Japan for a week. Yeah, so we're gonna be we're gonna be in Japan for ten, I think ten or twelve days, twelve days total. But a week of which is we're gonna be in a brewery in Japan learning. I knew I knew it was coming up soon. I couldn't remember when that when that trip for you was. Yeah, end of end of uh, end of August. Yeah, the last week of August, first week of September. That is. That Where at? Uh, Niigata region. Okay. Nice. So we're going to be the the brewery is uh, Gakugora um, in on uh, Sando or uh, uh, shit Saga, uh, Sagado Island or Sando shit. I can't. I'm too drunk to remember. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but we're going to be in the Niigata region at Gakugora, um, and yeah. That's awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. Man. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, you can check us out in uh, another couple of weeks. And you know, hopefully all is well with the posting of, of the episodes again. Sorry for delays last time. Uh, and remember to check out patreon.com slash have a drink show and have a drink store.com, which is shockingly updated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. Christopher Walker is missing. Yeah. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>